I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This week on Routine Checkup, we're joined by Ron Grady, an early childhood educator, researcher, and children's book author. We dive into ways to help develop our children's emotional intelligence. Let's talk about it. This is going to be, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm excited about this conversation, but I'm also a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit sad. Um, and the reason for that is that we're going to be talking to a really, really smart guest. I mean, far smarter than you and I, uh, you know, it, whenever we're sitting down with like, with, with, uh, you know, PhD students from, from Harvard, uh, you know, you know, things are, you know, things are kind of ramping up in, in, in the, in the brain, in the brainiac department. Uh, but we're talking to someone really smart about specifically about like childhood education. And here's why I'm sad. I don't have a kid. I would like to have one soon in the next like five years. You don't have a kid. I would like to have one too, probably yeah. soon. Maybe Dude, let's like do it at the exact years. same time. That'd be okay, so sweet. Fun. Yeah, right. we'll plan it out. Um, but Taylor, <laughs> Taylor has a, Taylor has a, a beautiful little girl, Zaya, and another kid on the way which I think is safe to say now, right? We've announced that. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> and, and Named Exena. <laughs> well, one can hope. Yeah. Um, but Taylor's the one with kids. And Taylor is the one who, you know, at this point in his life is now starting to think about, like, how do I educate? How do I, how do I bring this child into the world and, like, shape the way that I communicate the things that she needs to know to grow up and be, like, a really amazing human. But Taylor's not here. So we got to here for this forum. conversation. We got to do it for him. But it, we got to pretend that we have a Zaya. But, but that we do it in a sense because it takes a village, right? <laughs> hey, my man. That's what go. we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor is uh, unfortunately not with us. He is, uh, he is with Zaya who's sick. Poor little thing. Um, and so it is just Brian and myself and our guest today, Ron Grady, who is an early educator, researcher, and children's book author and illustrator. Uh, who basically does all things kid-related. Cool. And uh, I think this is going to be a really eye-opening and heartwarming conversation. Ron, thank you so much for taking time of your schedule to sit down with us. And please give myself, Brian, and all of our listeners a little bit more of a, a, a robust introduction. Who is Ron Grady? Hi, thanks. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, you guys. Ron Grady, geez. Ron Grady is currently a very busy human. <laughs> uh, but no, like, I think that if I were to like sum up my self in a nutshell, I, yeah, I try to do all the stuff about kids. I really uh, try to invite people to listen to kids, to think about what it means to communicate with kids, to see uh, the beauty in the way that kids like create in the world, the way that they play, uh, the complexity of their thinking and their lives. Um, and that's really just kind of the thing that undergirds all the stuff that I do. So uh, whether it's, you know, my academic work and research, 
that looks at like kids' relationships and the ways that they form community or whether it's my artistic pursuits, like you were saying, uh, books and illustrations and things like that. Uh, but yeah, and I, I love just being able to do that. I'm so grateful I get to bring that into the world. So that, that, God bless, that's, man. That's what, so I mean, cool. fuck, what a, yeah. what a, what a valiant <laughs> human. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really, what am I doing with my life? I'm really curious, Ron. I want to, I want to, I want to jump into a big question that I have that, that maybe feels yeah. like it's might be hard to give a, a, a concise answer, I guess, to it. But yeah. what, so it's really, it's been really interesting to watch, um, Taylor with Zaya over the last 18 Ooh. months and like, and think yeah, about like, yeah. think about like how she is evolving as a human, like on a daily basis. And like yeah. my, my relationship with like a baby before was not a baby human. It was a baby dog. So I have a dog and like, <laughs> okay. you know, like when yeah. I'm trying to train my dog, like I, like all the dog training manuals are like, you know, you have to be assertive and like make yourself big and sometimes make your voice deep. And like, they appreciate someone who's like, strong and like and you know communicate very very succinctly and like if you want them to eat you say eat and if you want them to walk you say walk but like that it's become very evident to me that that doesn't work for humans you know like it's a very different way (laughs) that you raise humans um but something that i've i've been really curious about is like is like how much do babies know like that that's my my really broad question is like Mm-hmm. how much do they know at any given time because it feels in uh, one on one hand like they know a fuckload and then sometimes yeah. it feels like they don't know anything even right there even right there like you and i talking yeah, you yeah. saying that right like i mean i had this thought yesterday yeah zaya has been at zaya was at the office or maybe maybe it was monday there was like a holiday here and so she couldn't go to daycare and taylor brought her in the office and you know like we've got some i've got a salty mouth we've got some there's some salty language being tossed around here she's 18 months yeah. And I said yeah. something like, I don't know, I said like, you know, I said, fuck some in some capacity. And <laughs> I did have a thought where I went, am I not supposed to do that? Like, what's what is the, mm-hmm. you know, how much is this, they know? this little sponge soaking up? <laughs> I mean, guys, like babies soak up every everything Like they know. They know so much. They're like their brains are fascinating. Like they're like, mm. you know, I think of them as like social decoders. You know, there's a ton of research out there. Uh, and I won't go into citing all of it just because even I don't know all of like the absolute most latest everything about it, but like they can tell like, you know, right away they know things like they can tell faces, they can tell, uh, you know, they know that like the voice of their like mom, they understand mm. um, the, the language that's their native language. They know the voices of the people who are around them. Like there are all these interesting studies that look at that, like, even from straight away, they'll put like a pacifier in a baby's mouth and they'll measure like the rate of sucking on the pacifier is like a measure of like how much the baby is like either recognizing uh, a voice <laughs> or some sort of stimulus, Ooh. whatever. Whoa. Like they know, like they are so responsive. It's actually wild when you think about it. Yeah. Um, because their brain has to be busy at work, right? Like babies, are, they sleep so much, especially when they're super new, but their brains are just constantly processing because you know this world is weird it's loud it's crazy it's like you know it's like fucked up (laughs) for like a better term right like you know and so like you know if you think about it from a point of survival like babies need to be learning things super quickly uh and they need to be filing away information like all the time so they know a lot Mm. and those words that you're using uh those wonderful four-letter words that roll (laughs) off the tongue um 
they like they're internalizing those and you know they they won't be able to say them back for a little bit but sure. uh you know i don't know if you've ever had it like a case but like their kids kids still use them in context right so i remember like he wasn't quite a baby but he was uh let's say like you know right around the one and a half two-year-old range and uh, i just really loved it. i had this kid who would say like uh he started using fuck uh and shit so sorry any preschool <laughs> no this is not ron's preschool episode um and it was uh and we just kept laughing because it was yeah. it was like hilarious because he was using it like you know like appropriately the way it should yeah so you know they they know so many things and then i i feel like i'm rambling but i think this is so cool yeah. obviously and like there are also other studies that show that like babies understand and have expectations about uh like who will speak what language like after a certain amount of time like you can show a baby someone speaking like french and someone speaking english uh, and they're they're able to track that like over time wow uh, and across wow. situations they understand things like who is helping or who is hindering so another one of my really favorite studies is like you know you'll have this character that's trying to roll a ball up a hill Right. And so then you'll have like a baby watching this on like a screen or as a puppet show. And the character tries to roll the ball up the hill and it can't quite do it. And then you'll have, let's say, an alligator comes up and like helps the character like do the job. And that's great. They're a good guy. And then let's say, uh, I don't know, a bear comes and like, you know, pushes the ball back down the hill. And so, you know, if you give a baby an opportunity to like to look at one or to reach for one, uh, they'll go for the good guy. They like the good guy. Uh, they can tell like, oh, you're helpful. So again, <laughs> right, which is really useful information to know. Man, I mean, it makes tiny thing. Yeah, and right? also, also, I mean, like you know, I mean, this probably opens up another can of worms that like maybe today isn't the day to go down. But like, there's something about that too that sort of makes me think about that whole that whole saying of like you know, are like like that that in, that that makes me when I hear that it makes me think you know what. I do think humans are inherently good. Yeah, there is right. an inherent yeah. goodness to yeah. us. If that's the way a baby, if that's the way a baby just in just naturally thinks, like, okay, yeah. I'm on the team of the guy who's helping, the guy who is help, the who is who is good, the guy who is like trying to be a positive influence mm -hmm. in this other person's life. Well, then you know, God, that must say a lot about like I what don't know we are at our because, core. Because what if what if the mm -hmm. bear? What if the bad bear? Looks like he's having a really fun time pushing that ball back down the hill. Uh, it's true. Maybe, it's true. Yeah, maybe, may, yeah, maybe, maybe the baby's yeah, maybe. like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. But no, I, I do, I do uh, agree with you, Jerry. Like, I really like to think. I, I, I think. I mean, that makes me feel really hopeful. It yeah, makes me feel good to think about that. Yeah. But I also think about like the difference between knowing something or like having an understanding of something mm -hmm. and then being able to communicate it. And like, I, I know that like for me in therapy, um, the idea of like communicating what I'm really experiencing on the inside to the outside world has, has always been a challenge, I think. Yeah. And, Absolutely. and so Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious in terms of like childhood development, like what is, it sounds like babies know a lot. It sounds like yeah. maybe there's a, 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 they'd have to learn that ability to communicate. So like, what's that process like? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I think, you know, when we think about like, whether it's like babies, or even young toddlers, or even like, you know, two year olds turning three, right? Like, 
throughout this whole time, it's just content. Like, I feel like the ability to understand is what comes first, right? And so there are these really frustrating uh, months, I think, where children are trying to communicate, but not being fully understood, right? Like we've all seen, or maybe you've seen, I don't know how many babies you've been around, right? But like, this like, you know, the, like fussiness or the attempts to like, oh, like I really, I'm, like, you know, it's like they're really trying to like yeah. communicate, right? Um, but like, also there are other ways. So babies rely a lot on like nonverbals, right? So uh, they learn pretty quickly that they can gesture towards something, right? And say like, yeah. man, I want that, right? Or yeah. they start to pick up on these syllables. And what we're constantly doing as adults is like reinforcing the things that are helpful for them. So mm. again, back to that, like, you know, when your baby goes like, man, you're like, oh, there, you want the bottle. We're like, all right, cool. Mm. If I do that, mm. I'm going to get that bottle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're, you know, they're constantly building slowly, but constantly building like their communicative mm. repertoire, right? And then, and then again, part of that comes like, you know, I think so much of what we do as humans, even like when we communicate, like is nonverbal and requires that other person. And it, it lives in kind of like, this space of what it like you could call like attunement right so mm-hmm. it's almost just like this like i feel like if i were to say it in a really like like layman's terms way it'd be like just the vibes that you're giving off right? totally. yeah, 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 yeah. To read each other's vibes eh? mm-hmm. um yeah. so you kind of know like okay cool like so i don't know if that's like helpful but i do think that really captures it right it's almost like such a broad constellation of features mm. and experiences and processes that are happening at once uh, that it's really, I think it can be like, you know, parsing it apart is like helpful, but also is a little bit artificial, right? Sure, because sure. It's yeah. like, yeah, you know. I, there, there's um, something there's something about that um, that piece that, you know, that nonverbal piece that I, I find really mm-hmm. interesting. And I, I don't know if this is like, I don't know if this is relatively new or or becoming more like popular or if I've just kind of noticed it more because of my age and seeing people with you know close to me having children but um, Mm -hmm. I have noticed like quite a few folks utilizing um, like sign language almost with their with their kid who can't verbally communicate yet because they're too young but they have Mm -hmm. this ability Mm -hmm. to like sign the things that they want which is fucking brilliant I mean it's It's like it's it's so wonderful to see that but so I guess I guess to to kind of to, to kind of wrap that into a question, something that I'm I am really curious about, uh, especially when we're talking about this with you right now, Ron, is I can't help but think about when I was a baby, when I was a toddler, yeah, the things yeah. that the tools that like my parents were either given directly by by you know their their parents or or their peers or the things that they were given by like the the resources that were available at the time surrounding like young, like early childhood education. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure from that period, 34 years ago to today, things have probably drastically changed. I mean, this, this thing about the baby sucking the soother and the rate of the soother being sucked differently, depending on how much they're, you know, recognizing one thing or the other. Um, Maybe that's old, maybe that's old news, or maybe that's research that's actually kind of more so newer and, and something we've kind of stumbled across in the last decade. So I'm curious, like what can you give us kind of an overview or walkthrough of like the methods of child, early childhood education and, and how that's sort of changed over the last few decades? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think that if there's one trend, oh gosh, this feels like so many details. 
Um, so I think that there has been like a general trend toward trying to be, I think I'll use the word attunement again, but like more attuned to like what children are doing and more consistently like responsive um, in early childhood education broadly, right? I think that if you were to go back probably even like 30 years, 40 years, um, like there were people who were being responsive to children, but there's also this idea that like, you know, we need to teach children all of these things, right? We need to show them everything. We need to show them how to be. We need to show, you know, these five-year-olds how to, you know, make sure that they're walking in this line or make sure that they are able to sit in this circle or make sure that they're able to do this thing. And all of these things are really useful, right? Uh, they serve like this sort of like navigational purpose. They help us to get through the day, right? Um, but especially at least in like recent years, there's been this big push toward like what's called like child uh, centeredness uh, in early education. Um, and so that's just this idea, again, that we're starting with what children are either interested in, what they can do, um, what we see them trying to do, or what we see attracts their attention, and really building on it. So I think if there was mm. a word that could describe it, it'd be like, it seems like in many spaces, there's a more collaborative push, right? And again, I think it also depends on the context you're in, right? So mm -hmm. uh, in some places that have you know, I think it often, at least in my experience, can vary along continua, like, um, you know, whether it's your, like, context of how heavily or how not, like, you know, federal organizations, at least America, like, will organize childcare versus, like, are you privately run childcare, mm. uh, which I actually know is, like, a huge thing now in Canada, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And sort of, like, navigating that whole system. Um, but it really kind of, is this just general push toward child-centeredness, right? How can we respond to children? What do children like already know? Um, and how can we work with them to, uh, you know, further that and right. to create this educational project like, and, with them? And, and this might be, this might be a stupid question, like to kind of throw in here um, because like that obviously sounds good that sounds like a yeah. that sounds like a really like sure, positive sure. and valued sort of way of of allowing yeah. a child to sort of explore and and get to know like who they are and, and get to know the world but what yeah. but why 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 yeah i guess like like what like what is the what do you what do you think is the is the sort of end goal or or the or the you know the the hopeful end goal in choosing that route as opposed to what came before it yeah, totally. I think, and this is, and this is, of course, like my, these are, you know, my thoughts, and this is where I like I am in the field and yeah. stuff like that. So, you know, I think people can take it with the grains of salt that they'll take all the things with. But I think the idea at its core is that like children are already full human beings, right? Like they don't know everything, they can't do everything, but it's this idea of like orienting ourselves toward practices and perspectives that really respect children as humans right so uh, in the same way that we you know don't like you know obviously in certain contexts we'll have to tell people what to do or expect them to behave in certain ways but it's really just this sort of like you know if children are humans and they already know stuff then why do we always have to tell them what to do mm. uh you know don't they deserve a little bit of input right and so there's this like and a lot of it's based in this United Nations conventions on the right. So the child, which was like put forth in the 19, like 1989, it came out. Uh, so really, like, you know, late 80s, early 90s. 
um, but the children are like citizens in their own right, and they deserve uh, they they reserve the right, I guess you could say, to contribute their ideas and their perspectives to all matters that concern them. Mm -hmm. um, and so I forget exactly what article that is. I think it's like Article Twelve or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, the case in point is that like that is like like why and you know if you were to really push like you know the, like many of us would say like that actually should be enough right um because it's often i think when we are working with kids working with children uh, we always have our idea or our mind on like this layer point right like we're like all right so how does you know being child-centered serve us in like five years it's like right that's really good to ask but also like what does it feel like now like you know our i'm not thinking every day about like you know how me doing any particular thing is going to serve me when I'm like 70 years old. Um, and that's like a valuable thing to think about, right? But I'm not spending my life trying to be the best 90 year old I can be. Yeah, um, and so, yeah right. right. And so kids shouldn't have to spend like, you know, being three, four or five, trying to be the best 20 year old that they can be, right? Like mm. there's part, you have to balance that out. And so that's, that's one thing. And then another thing that I'll just quickly add in, I think is that, on the experiential level, as like someone who works with children, it can often feel a lot like more of a relief, right? Like it turns our early childhood education, it's not this combative project anymore where you're trying to get someone to do a thing. Uh, rather, just it gets to become something that you work on together. Right. Uh, and yeah, like with any creative partner, uh, kids are going to have different ideas <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you're going to have your tensions, right? Like, yeah. Oh <laughs>favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It's really interesting. It makes like that that approach makes a lot of sense to me, and 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 I I understand how that can be really effective from uh, an educator's perspective, where they're like maybe meeting a kid at uh, you know a building or a place right. for a certain amount of hours during the day, and then I think of like the effect that like that actually like strategies and parenting sort of how yeah. they also affect the, the child's development. And I'm curious mm -hmm. now if, if parenting is getting better or worse um, in particular mm -hmm. with the different sort of like technologies that we have access to. Um, mm -hmm. I think of parents mm -hmm. like working yeah. from home and, you know, maybe being distracted by screens when like, you know, when they should, or could be being more attuned to the the vibes of their kids. Mm. Like how, how are these sort of things definitely, affecting definitely. development? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think whatever you can do when you are with your kid, when you're with your child, like to be present with them uh, is key. Uh, I mean, screen time is an inevitable feature of our lives, right? Like screens exist, we have them 
uh, you know, whoever is listening to this, I'm sure is probably used, maybe using one of those devices right now, right? So they are really everywhere and it's important to know about them. But to your point, um, you know, anything that you can do to really just like connect on a person level with their child is great. Um, parents, you know, have like, there, there is work that looks at parents' uh, ability to like connect with their child, like through screens or with the screen. So there's, you know, some thinking out there that says, if we're going to have a screen, let's at least be connecting with it together and engaging yeah. with it together, kind of in the way that you might you know, use like a book or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if it becomes an, if the screen becomes a site, so to speak, a relationship, then that's one thing. Mm -hmm. um, but when it becomes a distraction, that is like, that's, that's no good, right? And so, you know, I don't know about like overall trends of like, you know, parenting, like broadly speaking, but at least from a developmental uh, perspective, like, yeah, screens, screens aren't great right like yeah. they, they're they're taking you out of this moment with your child at at this time that we were just talking about where the brain uh is picking up so much information whether that's social cognitive you know uh, about any of the things that we're doing and mm. so you know and i i also think a lot about too when you when you said that about parenting and you know the proliferation of things like screens it also made me think about the anxieties that parents have about uh, their children and how those are often like accessible through those devices. Mm. Um, and I overheard a conversation in a coffee shop. Sorry, I guess this is a little bit of a side the other day, but about the importance of uh, like trusting your instinct. Uh, I mean, it wasn't my conversation, obviously, but mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. It made me think right about like what it means to be able to trust your instinct as a parent, as a caregiver, um, as someone working with children. And I think that um, the more that we are able to draw ourselves away from these technological devices that may have really useful information mm -hmm. that may help us, uh, you know, understand a different concept or even, you know, give us a break when we really need it, right? Like, we've all been there. Yeah. Um, but, like, again, like, don't forget, like, oh, wait, <laughs> like, I have a relationship with this human being who I'm knowing, who's knowing me, yeah. and I need to develop my instinct and my capacity to connect with them. Uh, so that way we can really sort of like enrich uh, our mutual experience of one another's relationship. Right. So like, it's, that's so yeah, valuable. Yeah. It, it's so crazy because the, like the, like I think of, of, of like screen anxiety and I, I mentioned like, I don't have a kid, but I have a dog. And sometimes mm -hmm. when I'm like watching TV for too long or like on my phone mm -hmm. or even taking my dog for a walk and have like AirPods in and I'm listening to like a podcast, I'm like, Oh fuck. Like I, I should totally <laughs> be way more present with my dog right now, he's going to, he's going to resent me. Like I'm being such a bad parent right now. And like, I get my own anxieties yeah, around yeah. that. And so like, I imagine like also having a, like if I had a kid and I was like, Oh no, like the screen, like I'm worried about yeah, their yeah. relationship with it. I'm worried about my relationship. Dude, the funny with part it. is like, your dog, yeah. when you're sitting watching like two hours of a film, your dog's just sitting there looking at you going, it's so amazing how good he is at just, Staring at a wall. <laughs> I know. He has know. no clue. That you're I, I googled. Something. I googled. Wow, this guy's just off. I googled. Uh, the, I saw a TikTok about this uh, show Bluey, where it's a, a oh, cartoon yes. about a dog with that's in like blue, like colors that clues? dog. It's not. It's not Blue's Clues, but it's like colors that dogs can see. And so I put right. it on for Rupert, and he like oh, he stares oh, at I the see. screen yeah, and watches yeah. it, yeah. And, and 
like I don't know how much of it's like me going, oh, he's watching yeah. it, and he's not probably, actually probably watching. probably a whole hell of a lot less than you really <laughs> think. Yeah, but, but yeah, it, it is I, like it, it, I mean, there's my sister. My my sister has four kids, and um, and her youngest, you know, she she went through this really interesting phase with him. He's he's at four, turning five. Um, but, uh, like, you know, throughout the age of like four, she Mm -hmm. started to, he started to really, really, um, become a a handful and like to a degree where it was like taking, taking a big toll on her. And she, Mm -hmm. she noticed, Mm -hmm. she noticed how she was actually, you know, utilizing screen time in a way that was no longer being productive and actually probably being detrimental. And so she, 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 you know, she, and she was, I'm, I can, I can say this publicly because she was very public about the experience. Um, but she, she took the screens away from Austin and, and did it in, in sort of like weaned him off of it. Like, you know, didn't just like cut it off cold turkey, weaned him off, took him. And then, and then like once he was off, it was like, okay, now we're done. We're done with this for yeah. like quite a while. And, you know, over the span of like three months, she saw him completely change the way yeah, that he was yeah. able to communicate, the way that he was able to regulate, the way that he was able to, you know, express his needs or his desires. And it was, I mean, from the outside, like it was really fascinating to watch. I'm like that. If you yeah. give me like three hours of YouTube videos and then like turn off the <laughs> yeah, YouTube yeah. and then like try <laughs> to like sit me down at a dinner table and have a conversation, I'm like, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. so, I mean, that, that, that leads me to kind of question, um, you know, I, I think a lot about, uh, I think a lot, especially for my, for my own personal self, but also when it comes to, mm-hmm. when it comes to children, especially my sister's kids, I think a lot about like emotional intelligence. And yeah. I, I, th- I think that, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, those, those boys are growing up in a really beautiful household. And I think my sister's doing yeah. an incredible job. Um, but, but I also, I feel like she's kind of just doing it on, she's kind of just figuring it out for herself, uh, which is great. Yeah. And I think she's doing a good job. Um, but if she was to listen to this, um, what kinds of methods or, of, of communication or, or learning in early childhood education is really important specifically for emotional intelligence? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question, you know, and I, I will say, I think it's important to start off like before like diving in, because I think this is a really good question. Um, I like, sorry, I'm always like writing these things down because I just love like the way that these are phrased, but I think, you know, realizing that like, depending on like a child's context, like like we can never take a child out of their context. Like they're going to need to lean in more or less to certain things, you know, about like their emotional intelligence, right? Like there are things that everyone needs. Sure. Right. But like, depending on your context, your experience, like you might need, you know, a certain competency more or less, but I think broadly speaking, right. Like if we can just speak like generally for a sec, like honesty is huge, honesty is so mm. huge like, like being honest and honesty includes like acknowledging emotions uh, that children are experiencing acknowledging uh, the difficulty of emotions that children are experiencing um that's a, a huge like first step mm. i mean i think i actually skipped over the one that i think is maybe even then like that like comes even before that is like understanding like how as an adult like a child's emotions are making you feel right um, because yeah, we yeah. have our own experiences from childhood throughout adulthood. And the reality is that like, you know, for some people, like a crying child or a child having a meltdown 
just like sends them like to like no they cannot handle it and like no shade it's hard right mm. for some people it's super chill like they're like oh it's good right um so that is like the first first step if you're working with kids if you have a child you have to acknowledge how you're feeling and it's okay to like be upset so it could be angry it's okay to be uncomfortable right like those are valid emotions um but honestly acknowledging and understanding also that like children's emotions unfold over a different time scale than ours do so often people are like say things like oh you're okay you're all right or don't be upset don't be mad it's like yeah. don't say that like yeah, right. you realize, like they might be they might be coming off of like the worst day of their lives like literally and this is something i always say but like you know when you're three you've lived three years like today's actually maybe the worst day of your life like you lost mm-hmm. your stuffy you're not feeling great you have a headache, but you don't even know what that is called yet. So you don't even know how to say, it. you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, it's just like a really shitty day. Yeah. <laughs> and so someone being like, oh, it's okay. Like, let's get over. It's like, no, give them time, give them space, help them to find language, you know, to describe it. And, and I don't say that because I think language is like something that's needed, but I think language can help it, them be communicative with you so that you can know how to help mm. them and support them. I mean, like everything um, you're saying, yeah. I, I can relate to myself and go, right, I should do yeah. that for myself. It's yeah, like, now, I should be honest like with myself. My 30s. <laughs> I should be honest with yeah. the people around me. Like when I'm having, when I'm upset, when I'm sad, when I'm crying, I shouldn't yeah. be trying to stuff that down. I should lean into right. it. I should feel those right. feelings, right. you know, like it's, totally. it, but, 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 but we so easily don't do that. And, and right, so, you know, right. to, to do that to a child, it's, you know, you're doing the same thing. You're, you're, you're basically, you know, you're, you're telling a kid, Oh, it's okay. You don't, don't cry. Don't be upset. Right, well, you're, you're just right. teaching that child how to like, manipulate themselves when it comes to their own feelings, which is just going to lead to yeah. therapy down the road when you're a 35 year old man. But instead of saying, instead of saying things like you're all right, what are the ideas right. that yeah. you communicate yeah. instead? Oh. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Sorry. Yeah. I love, I love this because sometimes I go to my soapbox. I'm like, don't do this horrible thing to your kids. But you're right. Yeah. What could we, let's phrase it positively. Right. Uh, so you could say, you know, one thing that's great to say, is like, you know, it looks like you're really upset right now. Mm. I understand that. It's It seems like you've been having a really hard day. You're really upset that, you know, that you left your stuffy at home or that we can't stop uh, and have an extra snack or that you didn't get to see grandma today. You know, uh, I, I hear you and uh, I'm sorry that this is really tough for you. I'm here to support you. Um, if you need to take some space, uh, I'm happy to give you some space. If you want me to take some space next to you, but not hold you. That's okay. Mm. Uh, I'm here for you when you need a hug. I'm here for you uh, when you're ready to come back and check in. Um, right. Because often kids will like, yeah, they'll just need a couple moments. Like they may just need three seconds away from feeling this pressure to like be held. Right. Like you might just need to breathe and then they're ready to come back and reconnect. I I, Um, I love, I, I love that so much. And it feels like, it feels good for, for me to hear you saying those (laughs) words out loud. but I also laugh sort of because um, if my girlfriend started saying those things to me in the middle of a heated <laughs> argument, I'd almost be like, 
it almost feel like condescending and like oh, really? enraged. Like that's so yeah, funny yeah, because yeah, I yeah. had like, I had the complete opposite thought where I was like, God, I yeah. I, no, I no, wish no, those I, were the things that Kira said to me if we were fighting. You I know? do. Like, I also wish or that, something. You know, I something wish, like that. I wish like, that too, but I also yeah. feel like it's almost like, oh yeah, you're on your high horse, <laughs> saying the exact perfect thing in this situation. Right. Like, is it because is it because <laughs> Maddie talks to you yes. like this when you're feeling that way, going like, oh, that's I you, do you feel? Yeah, I see you feeling really bad because you lost your stuffy, Bri. <laughs> Is it because you misplaced your blankie? That's that really sucky. Yeah, and it, and then it, and then it reminds me yeah. of the trauma I experienced as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. I feel, I feel like we're working through a lot of things here. I will say, based on that point, which I love, I love. Don't worry, I won't charge you by the hour. This, time. this, is, this is your intake. Yes, um, but I do, I do think that makes a good point, though, right? Like these things don't work for all kids, and you have to learn, right? Like. Like it's always this balance of language, like right, because we're finding ways to regulate ourselves as adults in this moment, uh, mm. and also to support kids through uh, these emotions, right? So often that language might just be helpful for you as something you can go to and say, "Oh God, like this kid's having a meltdown. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I feel insane. Like I'm gonna try this." Like right, having some language to grasp for, even as an adult, is really helpful. Mm. Um, but there are times it's not gonna work, right? There are times when like it's just gonna go to shit, right? And what you should say, or what I like to say in those moments is say, okay, I actually need a break. Like you talk about yourself, what you need, right? Like yeah. You're really upset right now. Um, and I feel like um, I am gonna take a moment and I'll check back in with you in just a second. Mm. Um, but I'm gonna go take three deep breaths, right? Something you also can do as model, mm -hmm. right? I'm gonna go take three deep breaths over here. Uh, I'm going to go for a little walk around, uh, you know, whether you're like, I'm going to go for a walk out in the backyard for a sec, and then I'll be back in. Uh, I'm not leaving you, mm -hmm. right? You don't want a child to think you're abandoning them right in their mm -hmm. time of need, right? I'm going to be back, uh, but I'm going to take a moment so that I can come back and help and support you, right? And mm -hmm. I think we always have to remember that, like, even when those things are difficult, like our job is to always be there uh, mm -hmm. for kids because, you know, they're full humans, but we're also adults we have different tools yeah. and we can leave a situation if we're feeling overwhelmed we can you know we can always like we can change out of that itchy shirt that just made us have it before we have a meltdown right like mm. all of those little things that are triggers in a sense for many of these things we have the power to change versus mm. kids who don't and so we have to be compassionate as well it makes me um, think that, that like that uh, that like re reaction to saying like oh you're all right like you'll be okay um don't don't worry yeah. about it 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 feels like that is i mean that first point that you brought up about like first we have to check in with ourselves to see how this is making us feel it feels yeah. like that is a re those things are reactions to us sort of our own discomfort with the situation so like a kid's crying exactly. and you're like you're like Oh, this makes me feel uncomfortable. So just mm. tell the kid they're all right because I want this to stop for me. Yes, one million percent. That was in my first like year of teaching. I I remember being terrified of like any of the kids' mm. parents. I was working in a classroom and they were two turning three. And I just remember like, oh my gosh, like please don't cry. Please don't cry. No, like it was just the worst feeling in the world. Just because again, it made me so uncomfortable because I was like, oh my gosh, like. It's it sends my like nerves up to here, a and then b. It's just like I feel bad, right? Like on yeah. some level, I feel guilty because I don't exactly know what to do, mm. and like 
over the years, I was like, oh, you're crying. All right, cool. Well, <laughs> we can talk yeah, a different yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I um, back to the back to the honesty that. piece there when we were when we were speaking about like you know the importance of of emotional intelligence and the, and the things to like you know to kind of get across to children or at least the, the space to hold so that that can that space can be there for them to to learn about that um you you brought up yeah. honesty and it made me think about um i mean i'm just curious about your take on this what 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 is your take yeah, sure. on what's your take on santa or the tooth fairy or you know these things these things that like yeah. that, that that hold a really Jeez. special place in terms of tradition but also yeah. it's like i you know i it didn't affect me but i i know a couple of people who the whole the whole santa thing like really fucked them up when they realized like yeah. oh wait a minute I've been lied to for years. Um, what is your, yeah. like, what is your take on it? And also is there, a, is, you know, maybe it's a hot take. Um, is yeah. there a take on that right now in the general, like consensus of early mm. childhood education and sort of handling of that thing, especially with like elf on the shelf. That's another one that's like really big now, you know, it's, it's like, I'm just kind of curious. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. There? Yeah, totally. I feel like this is probably going to be a mixture of like a little bit of my hot takes and some of like the conversations I've had with colleagues. Uh, I feel like, oh gosh, I feel like the elf on the shelf is really surveilling. Oh, I hope that it is. Like it is. It is. It is. It's, it's the it's NSA like of the home. Yeah. It's yeah. really creepy. It's totally. Creepy. I don't know. I am. A, I am. I'm not a fan of the elf on the shelf. I yeah. think that I don't know why. Probably because of just maybe it's just it's because it was newer and so I didn't grow up with it. I'll be. I'd be curious to hear from some <laughs> kids who've like recently stopped believing in the elf on the shelf to see right. like you know what was that experience like for you coming right. out of that? I feel like you're saving someone who just got out of a cult. Um, <laughs> some deprogramming. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Hey, yeah. So how are you? Um, but like Santa. Santa's its own thing. You know, I think that Santa sits on this line of kind of like you were getting at, like, it's almost like a cultural tradition, right? Because I, I don't like, I feel like Santa is not tied to any like particular like religion at this point, right? Even it's just like, it's part of like the so Christmas broad. complex, yeah. right? It's so broad, but it still is this weird thing of like, it's sort of like this tradition, like the tooth fairy. And so I think that tread with caution. Um, I think if your child ever asks, uh, I would just say like, no, <laughs> be honest at that yeah, point, right? Because yeah. it's this lie, right? Um, I think there are, I know a lot of parents and a lot of educators who like haven't bought up the thing, but the reality is that children at school are coming, like these are cultural things that children have in their lives, right? So among cultures of children, among classroom cultures, right? If you think of classrooms as society, as a, their own little, like, you know, mm. this town where kids go, during the day, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, in, right? In that town, there's a culture of Santa. And they right, pick right. it up. And so uh, for a lot of kids, they're like, oh, this is great. This is, there's a Santa thing, mom and dad. You're like, shit, okay. Now I have to deal with this, right? And right. generally, it it's not super... It, I think you can take it or leave it. You know, it's not super harmful, uh, at least in my understanding, generally speaking. But I, I think that the consensus would be like, don't outright lie to your child. Yeah. Uh, right? And... You know, I think also think about like, do you need to do that? You know, do you need to do that? You could also rephrase it. This is the way that we celebrate, you know, mm -hmm. the like wonderful coming together as a family in winter, or this is a way that we celebrate when you lose a teeth, a tooth, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, we put a little surprise under your pillow. Like, does it have to be yeah. Santa or the tooth fairy or things like that? Or can it just be a thing that we do as a family yeah. that's still really fun, right? Um, yeah, it's it's it makes me think about like... Cause I, I'm sort of in a, I'm, I'm in a similar 
I think I'm in a similar position as you are, where it's like I mm-hmm. there's a part of me that thinks, well, it doesn't feel good about it doesn't feel good to lie to them. Yeah. But there's yeah. also this other part of me that's like, but it, there's there's also there's also a lot of fun in 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 yeah. fantasy. And so it's like, you know, as an as a grown adult, like I don't necessarily be, necessarily believe yeah. in my heart of hearts yeah. that that, you know, that there is a ghost in the haunted house across the street. Yeah. Yeah. But I sure fucking love pretending that there is. You know, yeah, I sure totally. I sure love yeah, yeah. fantasizing yeah. that like Make ghosts believe. are real. Like the yeah. and and that still is very that's still a very like important part of my yeah. life is like yeah. is giving totally. into the fantasy of Things that are paranormal or not, you know, just not fucking real, yeah. or, or at least yeah. there's nothing to, there's nothing I can tangibly hold to tell you that it is real. So I, you know, yeah. like Santa, it's like yeah. there's, there's, it's, I would hate to lose that sense of fantasy. So it's like, totally. I guess you're kind of trying, mm-hmm. like, you know, if if I was a parent, I would, I would really be trying to kind of balance that line of going, I want to lean into yeah. the fantasy, but I also want to be very truthful with you and know, and so that you yeah. are, you know, that yeah. like. We're it's, not trying to hoodwink you here. It's you funny know? though, because like, yeah, like yeah. to to Ron's point about um, community and like being in the classroom. And I love the like idea a of small little town. town. Like, like <laughs> it's so it, cool. I mean, the town is going to tell you that Santa's real. So yes, like at home, right. you that's can right. you can say, "Hey, this is yeah. a story that we tell, and we play make believe, and we pretend that this happens at Christmas yeah. time. It's fun for everybody, and then they get yeah. to go and immerse themselves in that culture with yeah. other people who who believe that. But at the same time, though, yeah. I do want to say, like, when my parents told me that Santa wasn't real. I, mm-hmm. I, I Do you think remember I, that? Do you remember that I don't, time? I don't remember Neither. specifically. Yeah, I think I the either. sort of memory of that that I create for myself is, is mm-hmm. I remember some kid in school in grade three saying that Santa wasn't bullshit. real. Yeah. And I remember thinking for the like past couple of years, probably that like, maybe this is just my parents sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. isn't adding up like mm-hmm. that. A guy's coming down the chimney yeah. or whatever. We don't even have a fucking chimney. And like somehow somebody's getting into our house. So like it wasn't adding up. And when this kid said that, I was like, it was sort of like, of course. And then I went to my parents and asked them and, and, and I, I don't think they said he's not real, but I think they were sort of like, like whatever you believe to be true is sort of like something like, like ethereal mm, yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like also we go to church and like yeah. we pretend or believe that this thing mm, yes, exists yes. in the sky. So, mm-hmm. so there's, yeah. um, but I, I don't remember blaming them and being like, oh, they've, they lied to me because, Wait. because it wasn't just them. It was Everybody. the whole world. Like society is like, yeah. is playing pretend about yeah. this thing. So, I mean, it was, yeah. it was okay for me. Like yeah. I, I didn't, mind that i feel like we're going through this right now but in reverse mm. with alien disclosure and so the government are my parents and david grush is that friend at school who was like they're real <laughs> okay okay that's uh, we don't have to go down that or route, it's the that opposite road. <laughs> yeah it could be yeah who knows um but i but I, I i do love yeah. that i do love that idea of like of i'll never look at school the same way now like kids going to this this they take time to go to their own town and there's a whole <laughs> yeah. society there. That's like, that's not, I mean, it is, it's, you're not in that society. You're not a part of that, that culture. Like it is, it's, totally. you're, we're, we're, you know, us as adults are removed from it. And, and, yeah. and yeah. we, we, we only have so much control over like what, you know, what, what happens in that town. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But what, it's speaking of that then, uh, you know, and maybe this is, maybe this is like kind of the, the, the one piece that we'll use to kind of, um, to draw this to a close, but mm-hmm. for the, when it comes to, you know, these, these tools and these, these mo, mo, modalities of, of 
um, bringing a child into the world to educate them about the things that make them who they are and their emotions and, and, you know, what, what are the things that are really important when it comes to early childhood education mm-hmm. for like folks from your end of things, when the kid yeah. isn't receiving those types of things at home, mm-hmm. like how does, point, yeah. and, and, and how are educators, you know, are educators taught how to look for that kind of thing and, and try to mm-hmm. seek that out and then take action when it, when they feel like, Oh, you know what? They're like, you know, this kid at home isn't really receiving the, the, the education outside of this little town that they should be. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So I'll rephrase it just to make sure I'm getting it right. So the idea is that like an educator might notice like a child isn't receiving support in some domain or may just need more support in a certain domain that they may not be getting at home. Yeah. How do they respond? Like, yeah. classroom space is that the question kind yeah of totally like, yeah. totally 100 percent. yeah but i think that you know the goal of like just an educator like is to i think in its ideal form is to be responsive to each individual child right and so what a ch- like all children aren't getting everything at home like it's rare right it's rare because parents can only do so much there's they have different constraints different goals and so there are things, right? Like we provide opportunities to be creative in different ways, to joke around in different ways, to like get dirty, get messy in different ways, to take the time to like learn about yourself. I I think even going back to what we mentioned earlier, right? Like children are learning about themselves like in communities of peers at school. Like that's a huge, huge thing that like it really isn't even possible to get uh, at home, right? And so... Uh, you know, doing what we can to support them, like, through that, I mean, we might have a child who we know doesn't get a chance to draw or paint at home. And so at school, all right, you can, let's spend some time painting, let's spend some time drawing, let's spend some time creating and moving, right? Schools can be, uh, or in early childhood spaces can be and should be, like spaces where kids get to come a little bit more into themselves. Mm. Um, And I think that's why they serve such a vital role, uh, you know, aside from just like the very basic and important need of having a place to send your kids while you go to work, right? Right. Um, but they really are supporting children in sort of this like reaching out and exploring different parts of themselves. And we and we have the time, we have the luxury and the privilege of time with kids, um, not rush. Like our whole job is to be in this space with these kids all day, taking the time that they need uh, to learn and to explore and to, you know, just figure mm-hmm. out life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious, Ron, before we wrap up, I, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask, because like all of these things that you're saying don't just feel like relevant to young kids like they feel relevant mm-hmm. to like my inner mm-hmm. child too yeah. and i feel like yeah. jared and mm-hmm. i both are, are feeling that and yeah. so i'm curious if there has been conversation in the early childhood educator space about how a lot of these learnings apply not only to kids but to man children age. like ourselves <laughs> yeah but but to like <laughs> but to but to to society in general no matter what yeah. age it is because we all yeah. have an inner child that sort of needs yeah these things yeah. i think still yeah that's really beautiful i think there definitely is i think 
you know, that is the idea is that the, this is sort of where this comes from, right? Like this idea that when we do this with kids, like it trickles up or just like stays with them into adulthood uh, and beyond, right? Because I think that we all, especially like people around us, right? Like, you know, in our 30s, especially, or just like, at least I feel like, I don't know, but we're realizing like, oh my gosh, like we really need to process some things, right? And we're understanding our own coping mechanisms and the own things that we, that stuck with us and realizing that we don't have to repeat these patterns. So absolutely, it's about, uh, it can be very healing for your inner child um, to engage with children in this way. And I will say that like, on a personal level, like as I've gone throughout my journey as an early childhood educator, I've also found myself like healing my own inner child in those ways, mm. right? Like, acknowledge, like learning to acknowledge emotions, acknowledging that like things take time, understanding that, all right, the purpose of this space is for me to just be creative and explore. Like that is just, it's beautiful. And so, yeah, the hope is that these practices contribute ultimately to like a happier, healthier, uh, and just more like, you know, connected society like mm. on a broad scale i love that well ron uh i gotta say like you it, it's it's so i mean it's always fun to talk to someone who's really passionate about like the thing that they are they're dedicating their life to study um but like we didn't even get into it right you have a book uh you have a book called <laughs> oh, what does brown mean to you <laughs> Um, um, I, I mean, just a quick plug for the book, please let us know, like, what's oh, it about yeah. and, 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 and people can find it now, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. Thanks so much. So yeah, uh, it's called What Does Brown Mean to You? Uh, it's available on, uh, on the big box places that you could get it and also, uh, through Penguin Random House. Um, and it is about, uh, basically a little boy, uh, brown skin. He wakes up and he goes on a color hunt for the mm. color brown throughout his day. So I really wrote the book. Um, you know, in order really just to be like an affirmation of brown kids everywhere uh, to celebrate who they are, to celebrate their skin, to celebrate the things that bring them joy. Uh, and also really kind of as a love letter to children, really, because uh, the things he does during the day, he plays with his dog, he makes breakfast with his family, he gets to go like, you know, checking on the chickens and bringing the eggs, he climbs a tree, uh, does some art and has a wonderful dance party after dinner and then snuggles up in bed. And I, I think, it, you know, really wanted to capture the things that I feel like are so essential uh, and beautiful about mm. uh, that phase of life. So, yeah, it's, it's, amazing. it's out. You can get it. So, yeah, thanks. What does Brown mean to you? You can get that uh, wherever good books are sold. And uh, and again, yeah, so I, Ron, you're you are. I, I'm really I'm really um, I'm really excited for all of the children that will have the the um the privilege of being touched by what it oh. is that you are out here doing because you you are like it, it you you just, I mean you you radiate positivity you are such a sweetheart and yeah. and on top of that like you are you're 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 focusing on something that is truly important because I don't think there's a single person who who could possibly listen to this conversation that we had right now and not think to themselves, gee whiz, I wish, I wish I had a little bit more of that when I was coming up. Mm -hmm. Because I think oh. as adults, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hard for us not to look back at what we've been through and go, ah, you know what, this could have been different and this could have been different. And, and we also come from a generation that, you know, um, that 
that wasn't quite as evolved as we are today. And so uh, I'm just yeah. I'm just so stoked to know that there's people like yourself out there doing the work that you do because it's so important. And uh, to to have uh, an, uh, a chance to sit down and chat with you has just like truly brightened my day. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for everything that you do. It was a real honor and a, and a real pleasure to have you on the show today. And we really, uh, we really do appreciate it. Thank you guys. It's, it's been awesome. Thank you. I, yeah, that was so sweet. And just, yeah, thank you. What a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>